My good friend and the smartest, one of the smartest white men on this side of heaven is here. And he's down in sweet home Alabama, I hear, my hometown, uh, Bill Lockwood. He is talk radio, Bose's voice on patriotism, radio host at America Liberty with Bill Lockwood, author of Ezekiel, the Watchman of Israel. Bill, he's also a pastor, folks. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Jesse. Thank you for having me today. Good to be with you. You too. For some reason, it's not set up right, Joy. He seemed down like. Do I need to get up? Yeah. Uh, Could somebody come and help with this? I can't do a show with Bill. I don't want Bill to look like he's sitting down in a hole. Why you guys allow this to happen? Come back. (laughs) So are you comfortable right now, Bill? I'm 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 great. Yeah, this uh, is yeah. I'm very comfortable. Okay, how about that light, the white thing above his head? It is. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's better, Bill. Okay. And so you're down in Alabama. Yes, sir. And celebrating Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. You know, I'm with my brother and his uh, wife, and uh, they're real hospitable, and they memory near your home hometown. So uh, we're down here for Thanksgiving week. So uh, we're have a lot of family coming in, so we're look forward to it. Right on. Well, say hello to the family, and I hope I you guys have a really good gathering down there. Oh, good. Thank you for that. Good weather. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, it's hot down there today? Well, I wouldn't say hot, but it's <laughs> nice. It's nice weather. <laughs> All right. That's great, Bill. So, Bill, I want to talk to you about the Secret Service release of a report last week on student threat assessment. And according to what it, what I read that you wrote, it's like it's about this red flag law. Can you explain that to us? Well, I'm, I'm glad you use that terminology. You know, I was thinking about it this morning. It's the same. It's the same thing as the red flag laws in in Colorado and other states, wherein uh, neighbors might what they say red flag their neighbors if they think that there's some kind of threat. So we we've turned our entire culture into a spy system. And what this is about, uh, the director of the Secret Service, James Murray, has put out a paper in which he wants schools, that is government schools, to public schools, to have the teachers and administrators watch the students and profile them based upon various different factors, whether it be psychological or behavior, uh, behavioral different problems. And so these these profiles uh, will supposedly red flag the, t- the, the kids that are in danger of committing acts of violence. And so what the Secret Service wants to be done is that the schools red flag them, then the uh, government will be able to step in and remove the guns from the homes or see what kind of accessibility these kids have to guns in the home. So all it is, it's a spy system, it's a spy network set up that wherein our public schools are going to be used to spy on children to see which ones are in danger of doing these acts of violence. So that's that's basically what's going on. This is their recommendation, and they wanted it for a long time. So if this teacher looks at a student and decides that the student is acting in a way that they don't think the student should be a- acting, they can then go in such a home? How would they think that a personality at school would have anything to do with a gun at home? Well, you know, the Secret Service, in their in their official paper, they say that it's not simply how a person acts. They want they want to know 
the person's uh, socioeconomic background. They want to know uh, whether their parents have been divorced, whether their parents have had uh, family violence in the home, uh, whether the, per the child is in poverty, uh, whether the child has had um, some kind of traumatic experience lately, the death of someone in the family, all of these experiences, and they so they call them uh, adverse childhood experiences, so they call them ACEs, A-C-E, so they have an A-C-E score, adverse childhood experience score. And so this score is kind of a, it's, it's just kind of a running blurry game, but the teachers and administrators are looking at the ACEs of a child and making a determination whether that child scores highly on the ACE, uh, ACE exam, that's their, their self-imposed exam, and whether the child scores one way or the other way. And that way, the school might preempt any kind of violence that is done by stepping in or calling the authorities to step into the home. That's, that's what amazing. they're proposing. Yeah, oh, it's, it's ridiculous, yeah. Why would, now that we, normal people know that the public schools is uh, are out of control and mm -hmm. that there are government schools and the people who are teaching, not all the teachers, of course, but most of the teachers are teaching, they are perverted teachers. You have radical homosexuals and lesbians. You have tra uh, transgender men dressing in dresses. All kind of weird things happening at school. Why would parents sacrifice their children to that, knowing that if something like this should happen, that these teachers may find out that your the, your kids' parents are conservatives or or mm. or vote for President Trump. They could falsely accuse the kid and go to your house and take your gun because they don't have any oh. teachers don't have any values anymore. You know what? We've been doing this for a long time anyway. The teachers have been involved in recommending children to have uh, medication for behavioral problems yeah. and ADHD and ADD. And so teachers are those who are they've been red flagging children for a long time on those kind of behavioral problems, which really root to family problems, lack of and primarily, Jesse, it's lack of fathers in the home and lack of Christian upbringing with children. So, that, so what's happened is the government has destroyed the home and they have done so by, by becoming the father to many children, particularly minority children, black children, Hispanic children. And so they've become the daddy in the home. Now the, they're not, the government's not a good daddy, so the children are out of control. Now at school, they're going to be uh, red flagging the children that are out of control. So they have been doing it for a long time, so they put, either put them on medication, and now the same thing is going to take place where they red flag the children for uh, possible violence or what they think profiles violence. And so it's just a, it's just a spy system that the government schools have set up. So are they able to get away with it because these women who are having children out of wedlock don't have time for their kids, so they just send them off to school. So the schools are aware that the parents don't care. They're not paying attention. The father's nowhere around. And that's why they're able to do all this, because I can't see a husband and a wife or a father and mother sending their children to a public school today. It's too risky in so many ways. Oh, you know what? With the sex education that goes on uh, in, in the younger age brackets, and uh, the transgenderism that they have, you know, in California, they have transgenders coming into first and second graders and giving them storybook hours. It, I mean, the, the, whole, the whole thing. And plus, they have simply the indoctrination that is so solid, solidly based in so many of the schools, even in conservative states. Uh, so they have indoctrination. So, uh, you know what, they're just government schools is what they are. And, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, people need to have their children in public schools, private schools, 
or homeschooled, and I think that's the way to go. Yeah. If you're going to have a, if you're going to have a family that respects their parents and respects God, then that has to be the way you go. Because um, you know, in the public school system, it's it, it is a, and the, the the hands are tied of the public school teachers. You know, they can't do anything, and uh, they have to. You have to kind of be involved to get in the mainstream with this, and so it's it's pretty. It's a serious situation, really. So, do you blame the schools or you blame the parents? Well, I, you know what, I, I don't know exactly who to blame all the way straight forward, but uh, I'll say this, that, um, you know, the American people generally have fallen asleep at the wheel, and we have been falling asleep for the last 75 years at least. Uh, you know, FDR uh, stepped in and, and became the father for the many children through the welfare system, and particularly Lyndon Johnson. Yeah. And you know how that, how that happened in the black community. So. Uh, right now, you know, I guess three out of four children that are in the black community are, are fatherless in the home. And so that means the government's the father. And so now the, the black communities are out of control. And, and so at the same time, so that they have laws such as in Dallas, Texas, where they say, you know what, if, if we have a, in, in a small store that has $1,000 worth of merchandise stolen, then that's, that's going to be a, a minor infraction. It's a misdemeanor. We're not even going to prosecuted that one because it's so out of control. Now we're changing the the rules, how we even play in society, how we play with one another. And it's it's really a serious situation. So the schools the schools are actually a, a part of this. So it's it's a, just an ongoing problem. I think the the root problem though is that we lack God, we lack respect for God yeah. and and the so, uh, solidarity of the family and that's what's happening. Is it true that the uh, sexual Liberation um, is a um, Marxist idea. I believe it is. You know what? Uh, I think Marxism. Number one, Marxism has said from the very beginning that, that they wanted to dissolve the family. The family unit was, uh, and that's why they played it in Soviet Union. They they dissolved the families. They wanted to dissolve the family. Uh, the family was is the basic unit of society. Uh, you know, Jesse, when Alexis de Tocqueville came over here in America in the 1830s, uh, the, the thing that shocked him the most was the, fa the fact that our Americans were all being raised in families that had mom, dad, and the kids, and that they had a, a solid unit. And it was so shocking to him because in Europe that had already been, um, for the most part, dissolved in many areas. And he was just really... Um, not just pleasantly surprised, but he was shocked, actually, and he wrote about it in Democracy in America. Not only that, but the churches. I mean, the churches were filled, and the pulpits, he said, as he put it, were flame with righteousness. So the family unit is so important to Christian upbringing. And if we can dissolve the family, so Karl Marx indeed said, yes, we need to, we need to uh, deteriorate the family. And the way to deteriorate the family is to, for the government to step into the, the role of it. And that's exactly what's happened in America. The government now becomes the father, yeah. and the children yeah. are out of control. Uh, the Hill released a poll showing two-thirds of Republicans support red flag laws. Is that true? And if it is true, are you surprised by it? I'm not surprised. I don't know if it's true. I haven't read that particular article. You know what? I'll tell you what. The majority of Americans. This was put out by the um, um, uh, Kelly Shackelford's organization. I, I've forgotten the name of it offhand. I think it's Freedom Freedom First. Um, at, at any rate, Kelly Shackelford and his organization put out this. Uh, the fact that or wrote an article regarding uh, a recent uh, poll that was taken in which 
51% of Americans, 51%, now favor rewriting the First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of worship, because hate speech now supposedly must be, uh, must be legislated against. And of course, hate is in the eye of the beholder, just as beauty is. So uh, Americans are, of course, being absolutely brainwashed to rewrite the First Amendment, as well as these other things. So I'm not surprised at all if that, if that be true. But uh, nevertheless, it's a, it's a frightening situation. Most Americans, or many Americans, are in uh, serious trouble in their thinking capacity. The interesting thing about uh, people who are calling it hate speech, they have the freedom to call it hate speech, but you don't have the freedom to disagree with them. That's, yeah, right. I don't understand that. Well, it, it's, not, it's not something to be understood. It's something simply to be goose step to. You're not to understand it. It's, you're just to obey, not to ask questions. Right. That's, that's, that's what they want you to do. And so the same thing with red flag laws, which really puts the onus of proof on, on someone who's accused. It turns judicial, uh, our judicial system and the very concept of, uh, of right and wrong on its head, where a person who has been accused of a crime or accused of being guilty of something uh, is really supposed to be assumed, presumed to be innocent until proven. We have to have the proof of it. But it turns that thing on its head when we have red flag laws in any way whatsoever. But this is what happens when we have a society that's out of control because they lack God in their lives. They do not, they don't, do not follow Jesus Christ, and they have broken homes and broken families, and they're put people out of control. Now the government saying, you know, we're going to have to have red flag laws. We're going to turn the judicial system on its head, and it's a sad situation. That guy, uh, Nicholas Cruz, uh, he was the uh, Potland shooting, uh, I mean, school right. shooter, and he was a part of a Promise program. Can you explain to those who might not be aware of the Promise cr program and how did that contribute uh, to the shooting? You know what, Jesse, that's that's a great question. You know, the, the Promise program, uh, just as uh, the, the JDAI program, Juvenile Detention Alternatives Initiative, which uh, is really fostered by such organizations as the Annie E. Casey Foundation, as well as others, which basically tells us that uh, the bottom line is that we have in juvenile detention centers, we have a, a too many minorities, too many people of color that are being incarcerated in the adult system and too many people of color in the judicial system at, at, at juvenile detention. So what we need to do, we need to, we need to level out that, uh, those percentages because a, a higher percentage of blacks or higher percentages of Hispanics incarcerated in the youth programs means only one thing to the liberal, and that means we have we have overt racism, and racism drives us. And they say that's a proof of it. So what we need to do is we need to level that out. Consequently, instead of instead of arresting children, such as you know, we have there's a lot of stories about children who have simply drawn pictures of guns in school, and they are taken to juvenile detention or they're put into ISS, you know, in school suspension. They'll put them in separate classrooms because they draw a picture of a gun in school. Just a, a child, maybe third grade. But here we have a, a high school teenager who had threatened people. He had access to firearms. He was, it was warned to the authorities on a number of occasions, but he was not arrested. 
He was not put in juvenile detention because his name was Cruz. He had a Hispanic name, and we have already we've already gone. Uh, the, uh, the foregone conclusion is we have too many Hispanics and too many blacks in juvenile detention centers, and we've got to do something different because that shows we're racism. So they are loath to arrest minorities in those kind of situations. And in Broward County, Florida, was one of the pilot programs of this. Organization or of the Promise Program. It was one of the pilot counties in America. Parkland, Florida, was is in Broward County. So it was it was one of their showcases, just as Chicago, Illinois is. Cook County, Illinois, is exactly the same way. And so that's what's happening in these different localities. So Nicholas Cruz should have been already in juvenile detention. Right. But he was not because his name was Cruz. So now he shoots up the place. So now we're coming back with, well, we've got to do something different. We've got to, we've got to red flag the people who are law-abiding citizens. And that's the same uh, uh, down in Florida. That was a, the sheriff called Scott Israel, right? That's correct. And right. he was helping. Was he helping to promote this program? The problem for well, he was. They had signed on to it. So these programs, of course, uh, are they 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 uh, offer money. If they don't offer money, they offer a great community benefits to these programs, uh, such as they will offer. Say, well, you know what? If we uh, if you do this, you'll have you'll have a more economic benefit in a in a society in a community because. What's going to happen is you'll have less people incarcerated, more people out in the workforce. And so uh, but because of political correctness, basically, these different sheriff's offices sign on to it or because perhaps they're given government money. They sign on to the program because they all want money. So the government's passing out the money or passing out the benefits. And so Broward County and Sheriff Israel indeed signed on and they were a pilot program for it. So. They were they were not going to arrest a Cruz, uh, not not as readily as they would if it had been me, and or uh, you know a lot would. I noticed that, and maybe you can help me with this, that whenever um, anyone wanted to bring on destruction in America, they always used the blacks to help get it done. For example, they say blacks and Mexicans. Mexicans right. ain't got nothing to do with blacks, but they add the Mexicans to the black. Or the lesbians, they say lesbians and blacks. Or they say homosexuals and black, or black and brown, or whatever they say, right? Uh, right. Whenever they want to kill more babies in the womb, they say blacks and, and baby killers, whatever they say. Right. And, and blacks go along with it. So right. I, I mentioned in my office yesterday that I believe that the only purpose that, not all, not all, not all, but most, Blacks were created was for destruction because I can't think of one thing in the last 70 years that majority of black people have done and it was good or majority of black people have gone against evil. I can't think of anything. So I'm wondering, because Ermis tried to tell me I'm wrong about that, were blacks created for destruction? Well, I, I mean, I don't. You mean as far as created uh, by in the families, or what do you mean created by God? Or what? <laughs> I don't know about created. <laughs> I, it, I do. It seemed as though they were created for destruction, because in the good old days when white people were in control of the country, 
black people were, you know, because of slavery and Jim Crow and all that, there were a sense, they were noble people, but they were also, they were living in a society that was being built by white people. And there, and there were certain things that even the radical blacks were not allowed to do. But since white people are now under attack, they can't speak up, they can't disagree on anything, and black people have gone out of control completely. It's like they have nothing to control them for. In, inside of me, I love what's right, and, and the principles are living through me in my heart. So that controlled me. But I noticed that with most black people, they don't live by those principles, so they're out of control. And all they do now is destroy, and anyone that wanted to destroy the ideas and principle of God, they bring blacks in to do it, and the blacks are really happy to do it. For example, Bill, I read a report yesterday that um, men are not signing up anymore to become police officers. It's down by 50%. And when when you show what happened, it's the blacks who caused that to happen by going after the cops and calling them uh, a cop, uh, whatever they call them. It wasn't true, but they called them that. But it was the blacks who brought that down. It's like everything that's good, blacks are being used, and, they, and, and blacks seem to be happy to be used for destruction. Well, this goes back once again, in, in my view, to Marxism, which basically is an anti-God position which appeals to the race of a person or a skin color of a person as as the the cause of problems in America. So, you know what, when the Vladimir Lenins and Karl Marxes of the world in history looked at America, they said from the very beginning that we already have a natural wedge. We're gonna ha- how are we going to create chaos in America? How are we going to do it? And because they had to create chaos in, in the Soviet Union, that's what they did, they created chaos. So they created chaos between the ruling class and those who were under them. We don't have really a ruling class in America, but we do have another natural wedge. And the natural wedge is race because we have a black population and now a very large Hispanic population. So the appeal is made to those as that they are just the same as they did in the Soviet Union, that those people were trodden upon by the elites and the rulers, and we we're going to cause the workers to rise up. Causing So that's exactly what they've done. They've used and they've driven that wedge very deeply, and they've appealed to people's skin color and appealed to their race as being the problem in America. The reason that blacks are down is because of the white man. And so when you, you preach that from the time that you're very, very small, then that's all you believe. But the, the true problem is sin in the heart of man. And we are not, we're not going to solve anything, of course, until we get to the real root problem, sin. And it's individual, and it has nothing to do with one's race or anything like that. But we're just we're just skirting around on the edges. But it's basically setting up a revolution in America on the, on the basis of race and skin color. But majority of black people read the Bible and they go to church. How yeah. come? Why? It, and they pretend to be Christians. Why is it they can't just from read the Bible and going to church? Why can't they see that they're being used for destruction? I mean, you know that what? alone should be uh, in New York. They're talking about letting out 900 inmates, right? People of yeah. color. How come the blacks can't see just from reading the Bible? This is wrong. I'm not going along with it. 
Well, that's a good question. But, you know, it, it just reminds me of what happened in, in, in uh, Germany in pre-Hitler days. Uh, but during Hitler's time, uh, the churches continued to preach, the preachers continued to preach, the people continued to assemble, even though while they were singing songs in the church building, the trains were running by carrying Jews to the different death camps. And they were just singing, they're singing their songs as the trains were already rolling. And that's exactly what's happening in America. We're not getting down to the root problem. We're just fooling ourselves to think that. Uh, and, and the churches have become, they've become part of the problem in many areas. The churches and the preachers themselves have become part of the problem. They're preaching racial-based racial type of material. They're preaching uh, different uh, uh, liberation theology, for example. Liberation theology is just a, a theological tool that is used. It's really not theological. It's a socialistic tool that has a cloak of theology on it, and they're preaching liberation theology in these different churches in a lot of places. I've heard some of this back in the, 40 years ago. I mean, so they're, they, have, they have perverted the gospel of Christ. They perverted what we're about, what we should be doing, and a lot of churches are doing exactly that, and they appeal to they're appealing to the skin color. Well, once again, they're appealing to the race. Well, what I don't understand, and you are the smartest white man on this out of heaven. That's not true. As, <laughs> who is the smartest? It's not me. I know that. No, no, no. It's you, Bill. You're so humble. <laughs> Thank you, though. But listen, as an individual, you know that, right? Because you're a Christian. You see what's going on. And so you reject that. As an individual, I see that that's wrong, and I reject it. What's wrong with the rest of them, the blacks, that <laughs> that they can't see as individuals that that's wrong, and I'm not going along with Why can't they see that? They used to see it when I was growing up. Why can't they see it and then call themselves Christian? They hate white people, and the Bible said don't hate, but yet they hate white people, and they Praise Jesus all day long, run up and down this road. How come they can't say, well, you know what? At least my God in the Bible says this is wrong. I'm not going along with what someone else say. Well, the most difficult thing for anybody to do, Jesse, is repent. Because it's a direct challenge to the willpower of a man or a woman. It's a direct challenge. And what they have not done is they've not faced themselves as their own soul in the mirror and, and really come to repentance before God for this. But instead, they've listened to the siren song of a false gospel that has appealed to the their racial div division in America. They've talked about social justice, and that's exactly what they're preaching in the churches anymore, the social justice nonsense, all of its Marxism. And, uh, you know, even, even 100 years ago, think about this, 100 years ago, there were the Methodist church was a leader in this. They had different individuals that were involved in the, what was called then the social gospel. The social gospel was all about the rights of workers and getting out in the streets and, and, and joining the unions. And um, there, there are many people who have talked about this, and, uh, they, but they eventually moved right into socialism, into communism, through that avenue of being involved in the social gospel, which was taught by uh, Walter Rushenbosch. Uh, and and that was basically that, you know, we're, we're going to change up the gospel in the sense that we're going to look at how we can level racial uh, disparities in society, economic disparities. And all of that is now seen as the goal of what we're doing in the pulpit. That has nothing to do with it. That's not that's not what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. 
to, to change my economic situation yeah. or to change yeah. or to change where I live or or if I'm a slave to that I should stand up and then I should uh, then I should injure my master uh, th- that has that has nothing to do with the gospel of Christ you don't read that in the New Testament at all that's not part of right. it I, the principles I'll say I've been quick to add this I think the principles of Christ infused in a society eventually change a society for the good, eradicating things like slavery, but at the same time, you don't read in the New Testament where Paul says, you know, you are slaves and you need to rise up and and you need to get rid of slavery in America because that's the number one problem in America or the number one problem in Greece or the number one problem in Rome. No, he never. there's nothing like that in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel addresses the heart of a man and yeah. it talks but sin, individual sin, and that's the problem. But we we want to look at differently, and we want to see it all different. So social gospel, the social justice, has been preached for over a hundred years in America. It has taken the heart out of the churches and destroyed the the messages that they preach. You know, I, I I'm just amazed at what I see happening right now. I heard a black man represent another organization said um, said on TV, on Fox News, that he had a husband. And that, and I had never heard a black man. I didn't think, I didn't think black men were, even if they felt that way, that they were said out loud, right? Come, yeah. If you're black, you just don't do certain things, right? And, right. <laughs> but he said he had a husband. And the husband is white. He married, so-called married. But look like Christian would know just from read the Bible alone, I mean, just if you never read the Bible, right, you would know that's not true. You ain't got no husband. You're a male. If you got on a dress, you still a male in a dress. A little confused, but you're still a male. But the Christians and the Jews are afraid to denounce bad behavior like that. You know what? We're all, I mean, American Christians generally— or frequently falling into the same trap. Just, just think about what the Bible says about the woman's role in the church. Right. Paul says very plainly in 1 Corinthians 14 that she is to be silent in the church. She's not to have dominion or authority over man, 1 Timothy chapter 2. But people come to the text of the 1 Corinthians 14 or 1 Timothy 2 and say, you know what? We've come to a different place in society, and that was all about the first century. And so now you have women who are preaching and women who are in leadership positions in the churches. And so if we're going to go along with that, if we can do that, then why can't we do the same thing regarding homosexual issues or any other issue? Yeah. We come to the New Testament and we say, I'd like this, I don't like that, and we jettison what we don't like, and we just go along with the nice little message that we think is going to be pleasing to people. And so we've done that with all these issues. And the same thing regarding the women's issue and the same thing regarding homosexuality. That's all first century Paul's material of his prejudices or the first century uh, norm at the time. But that does not necessarily apply to us. And that's how they look at it. I, um, and then I'll let you go, Bill. I, um, I know that white people founded in, uh, America and created the greatest country on this side of heaven. And, and whites, for whatever reason, decided in the Constitution that whatever, wherever, that they're going to let other people come in, right? Non-white people come in. And these people come into, whether they were born here and been brainwashed or they were brought here illegally or however they got here, 
they come in and turn on the very people who created their greatest country on this side of heaven and welcome them into the country. And then when they come here or they're born here now, they bring all their stuff from their country and, and make America look like their country. And yet white people who founded the country, this is their house. They are afraid to speak up about it. I, the men and the women, I'm blown away by that. And you say? Well, you know what? That goes back to men such as uh, uh, the late Senator uh, Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy almost single-handedly changed our entire uh, immigration system. He continued to preach, and we, he had the same, same cues that the communists took, same cues on it, and that is regarding those who are coming into our country, primarily coming from European countries. And he basically said, well, that's because we are racist and we don't want people of color in this country. And so he continued to hammer that pulpit, and the, and the conservatives have backed up for over 150, 200 years now. And so what happened was he single-handedly changed the immigration system. The reason that the founders set up that the primary people that would populate this nation come from European countries was not because of their skin color, was because they had ideas of government that were different than people in the continent of Africa or in South America who came from dictatorships. They had more free organizations of government, such as in England and other countries, where they had—because this is where our roots go back to. That's why they wanted them to come this way. But Ted Kennedy almost single-handedly changed it in the 1960s. Added to that, the welfare system, which has been a huge magnet to bring people in here. And one thing Kennedy said, he says, this will not change the demographics of those who come into the country. He, he continued to lie to the nation on that, and everybody knew that that's exactly what would take place, and that's exactly what has occurred. So now we have a flood coming in from all different nations, and it's not about skin color. It's not about race. It's about the ideas of government and ideas of freedom and liberty that they lack when they come in. They are only accustomed to dictatorships, communism, and other such things as that, but they don't have ideas of God and country and family that really made America great. So your, your mic went out for a minute. So you're okay. saying that when they created America and they, they decided that we're gonna, we wanted people from European countries to come into America because they had the same ideas about— That's correct. —had nothing to do with skin color but the ideas. But then this Kennedy guy came along and he said, no, we're going to open it up to everybody— be, and That's you just correct. don't want them here because of skin color. What a mess. That's right. That's right. But his, his idea, he said, you know, it not, it's not gonna, the demographics are not going to change. It's not going to bring uh, people in here who want dictatorships and communism and socialism. It's not going to do that. We're not going to open up the floodgates to African nations or South American nations. He said, That's not going to happen. Uh, of course, all the time, everybody who have any common sense and could see through a barbed wire fence, knew that that is exactly what would happen, and that is exactly what has occurred. So what, consequently, we have people flooding into this nation who have no sympathy with a constitutional Republican form of government. They have yeah. no sympathy yeah. with that. And that's what's happened to America. So they, he almost single-handedly, with, of course, the help of the liberal Democrats in Congress, and they've been running Congress for a long time, they changed the immigration system, and we have not been the same, and we're not going to be the same. So what's going to happen to white people because the people of color are taking over the governments, local, state, and federal government, they're taking over the schools, 
and it's the white people who are under attack by these people and pushing them down away. And white people are refusing to have babies. They are refusing to speak up. Will they end up in the same condition that the whites are in in South Africa, where uh, the lands are being taken, whites are being murdered and killed and whatever, and raped? And what's going to happen to the white people since they are the ones who create the best society? They'll they'll disappear. I, I don't understand what's going to happen to the white people. You know, I don't know exactly, Jesse, that's in God's hands, but I'll say this, that it's the same thing going on in France, same thing going on in South Africa that you pointed out. Uh, Macron in France has already talked about, you know, giving portions of France to the Muslims that have come there because as, as right here in America, they have Sharia law, they want to have Sharia police right up in New York, they have their own Sharia police. They want to have their own communities. They're not assimilating. They're not going to assimilate. It's a different religion of a different color. It's a false religion following a false man, Muhammad, who claimed to be a prophet of God. He's no prophet at all. But Oh, man. Bill, your thing, Paul. I think I'm back. Whoop. You're back. Okay. So, <laughs> so you were saying in Europe, they're giving the land and stuff over to the Muslims, and nothing, no one can do about it. Well, I mean, that's what one of the proposals is, you know, because they have so many Muslims that have come in there, so they, they want to give that to them. So, um, you know, it, but it's the same thing in South Africa. We got in there on what side did we get on? We got in on the communist side in South Africa, and now what's happening? It's just an upheaval. It's terror and the people who have been in control of the country, the whites that were there, now they're being taken out and they're being murdered and their lands are being confiscated, even though that was, of course, promised it would not occur. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what will happen, but do, anyway, that's what's happening. Do white people know that they're being destroyed and that they're hated and and these people are not playing around? Because I've noticed that even when the young white men and women trying to speak up for themselves, right? Like, no, 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 we're not going to put up. This is wrong. There are so-called people of color and other whites who call them Nazis and supremacists, and they go against their own white people, and these people trying to stand up for themselves. Do white people know? It doesn't matter if you're a liberal, conservative, Republican, Christian, or non-Christian, that the fact that you're white, you're not liked either. (laughs) <laughs> I guess brainwashing really means brainwashing, um, and that's exactly what a lot that's happening to a lot of the college kids in, in colleges. You know, they're being brainwashed uh, to to believe those things, and just it, you know, they just don't have any no reasoning skills, no reasoning ability, and and reason doesn't. It just kind of goes off of them like water off the duck's back. So um, I don't know, but that's a good question. Do you see what is happening as I see it? Oh yeah, I, I, absolutely. I see. You know, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, young people in in colleges, particularly college campuses, and I I see that all the time. There are these um, these two different organizations of white people, young white people, who are uh, at war with one another right now. To put it, I don't know how to put it, and and on one side. The head of an organization says he's a Christian, right? And they're allowing these homosexuals and other lesbians and others to come into the conservative party. 
and promote so-called conservative values, principles or whatever. But these radical homosexuals who are calling themselves conservatives are also promoting homosexuality and lesbians and all that, right? And then on the other side, these white Christians are saying, no, we don't, we're not going to allow that to happen. You can't promote homosexuality. That's what the Democratic Party is doing. And so I'm wondering from you, how is it that a, a man or woman who call themselves a Christian will allow homosexuals to come into the conservative party and yet and bring publicly bring their lifestyle as though it's good? Mm-hmm. Just for the well, vote. Yeah, well, there may be many causes like that, but I tell you one thing, they're not moved by the Bible. That's they're not moved by God's word at all. And uh, they're not they're not convicted by God's word, they're not following God's word, and they're not they're not Christians in the in the biblical sense. And uh, you can't you can't stand for sin. At the same time, call yourself a Christian and say, "Well, we're going to be uh, standing for sin. We're going to be supporting sinful activity and sinful lifestyle." <laughs> <laughs> so tell uh, we run out of time anyway. Tell the people your website, how to listen to your show, read, uh, your sure. podcast, and all that stuff. All right, it's AmericanLibertyWithBillLockwood.com, AmericanLibertyWithBillLockwood.com. And it's not just me writing on there. A lot of good writers on there, uh, such as yourself, Tom DeWeese, and, and the many others. Um, but that's, that's the website. The radio show is exactly the same. It's out of Wichita Falls, News Talk 1290. It's Saturdays at 11 a.m., and it uh, airs in Lubbock and Abilene, 5 o'clock Sunday afternoons. So it's AmericanLibertyWithBillLockwood.com, and American Liberty with Bill, Bill Lockwood is the name of the radio show as well. So I talk about all these issues you do. Uh, also on the radio. So, yeah, thank you for that. I really, really want people to listen to your radio show, read your writing, and, because you're so clear about all this stuff. You're so, and you know a lot about past history, why things happen, and, and blah, blah, blah. So I definitely want them to check you out. Please speak out again. All right. Thank you, Bill. Oh, there. Okay. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate it. Happy uh, Thanksgiving to you. All right. Thanks to you, Bill. Don't eat too much turkey. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be trying to <laughs> try to keep it down. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thank all you, right. Bill. Amazing.